Hello everybody, and welcome to Something Who, episode 13. After a couple of shorter podcasts, it's back to our classic format as we review the latest episode of Doctor Who. Can you hear me? Twinned with a classic story, The Crusade. Thanks to those of you who've been keeping us in the podcast charts. It's also great to see our worldwide audience picking up too. So hello wherever you are, and if you like what we do, please spread the news. And I'm joined once more by Giles. Hello, Giles. Hello. Good evening. Yeah, and also Simon. Hello, Richard. Hello, Giles. Hello, everyone. Hello, Simon. First up, it's Can You Hear Me by Charlene James and Chris Ship. <laughs> Chris Chip. She's Chibnall. Chibnall me shivers. <laughs> Chris Chibnall. So the TARDIS crew lands in Sheffield, but everyone's a bit subdued and having nightmares. Uh, who wants to start us off with their thoughts on this one? Last week's episode was a bit of a clunker for me personally. So, drum roll, this must mean that this week's episode was good. Hey! hey. <laughs> and I think it was. I, what did you think, guys? Yeah, uh, I was. Yeah, I was taken with it. I think. Yeah, it was inventive. It's. It threw a lot of concepts at the screens, and I'm not entirely sure it's um. The, the plot made complete logical sense, but um, but on the other hand, I I thoroughly like my Doctor Who with a good with a good dose of metaphor and analogy and things like that, and I thought it was um, it was good, so I'll, I'll take it as a win as well. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it started off with a nice creepy beginning mm-hmm. and a proper mm. historical setting this time, and a very nice representation of of Aleppo. Mm. It didn't great that they cut away straight to Sheffield because after weeks of moaning, they gave all of the companions a bit of a backstory. So that worked. We got to see more about Yaz and her background and Graham and Bradley Walsh. Um, they got a they got a fair crack of the whip. At, he, he got a fair crack of the whip. <laughs> and I, I just thought it was a cracking yarn. It, it held me right from the start all the way to the end of it. They did things on a really epic scale involving these these godlike figures. Um, the Zelin character was genuinely creepy. I think a few kids after watching that will have scuttled away and maybe had nightmares. Mm-hmm. And um, I thought it was excellent. And the, the special effects were top notch as well. They were they were really spectacular. I thought this was a really strong story. Even Ryan bucked his ideas. He seemed to do much better, but. Um, he didn't seem to have as much backstory as everyone else. No idea why that was. He held... I, I don't know whether he's actually played any games before, but he seemed to be holding his his handset and his controller in a very funny way, down by his toes. I think he's been watching too many um, home delivery takeaway adverts. They always seem to play games down there like that. If you're an expert like my kids, you seem to hold it down by your knees. But no, apart from that, Ryan did, did much better this episode. <laughs> Yes, yeah. Richard, what did you think? Yeah, I, so so I, I thought there was a lot of good stuff that I liked in it. I thought it was doing a lot of things right. There were one or two things that I wasn't so sure about, and we'll probably get to those as as, as we talk through. But yeah, on the whole, I thought, um, you know, good, solid episode. It kept my interest all the way through. And I think, uh, as Simon was saying, it, it served the characters quite well, and we actually got to know something about, particularly about Yaz for the first time uh, in a long time. Zalin was a terrific villain. Mm. His fellow godlike being looked a bit Space 1999 without white hair <laughs> and reminded me of Christopher Lee. 
and also that space station or whatever it was the the way I, d I don't know what it was it's just the the cut all the vibrant colors that reminded me of a sort of alien setting in space 1999 as well so that was a nice flashback effect and those the, the thing with Zellin and his fingers was genuinely creepy mm -hmm. and I thought that was a clever bit of storytelling as well the way the, the fingers were used and deployed and the the function they performed in that story as well so I think there's some good having been highly critical last week I think there's some good writing this week that was a good yarn and I think we're learning more and more about Yaz as well I thought that was a great backstory and yes it was a mental health theme but it wasn't too much in your face like some of the previous ones where people have accused them of over moralizing and, and getting on the mm. high their high horse about things this seemed like a natural part of the narrative to me so mm. it sat far more comfortably with me and I, I, I thought I thought that acting this week was much better and it was a good good strong story so I, I thoroughly enjoyed it this week yeah yeah I, th I think you're right about uh, about the message that that I mean, it's not necessarily subtle, but it's certainly not overplayed. It's not really heavy-handed like it's been, uh, particularly in Orphan 55. So, yeah, I, mm. I found that sat, sat quite well with me. Yeah, well, we even got a uh, we've even got a call back there that um that helps you know sort of gave some partial justification or heft to Orphan 55 in retrospect um, with yeah. regard to Ryan having his you know that being the subject of Ryan's nightmares. Mm. From that point of view, it was. It was good. So all of three of the companions got a bit of heft for a change, um, mm. and it didn't. It it would feel unfair to criticise it for the fact that there haven't been, you know, to if we're in the business of talking about this one episode, it's possibly unfair to say it jars with the rest of the. <laughs> it jars with some of the others in in the lack in regards to suddenly we have character development where we haven't had character development for. Yeah. Um, for the characters elsewhere, but it feels like it's a churlish thing to criticise this one for doing its job better than some of the other stories have, mm. I think. So, yeah, and the guest cast, I think, were, were good. Yes, Ian, Ian Gilder, is it? The, um, I uh -huh. don't know. I, I, don't, I, I gather he's known to known to Game of Thrones people, but um doesn't mean anything to me. It's, um, I never got into that and was widely mocked for asking a couple of years ago, oh, so is Sean Bean still in it? <laughs> <laughs> and therefore found out that apparently, mm. yeah, that was his one thing where he got killed off. Yeah, should have been though. He, he, yeah. he was, he was the best yeah. thing in it. Yeah, <laughs> bastard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, his hamstrings let him down in the end. <laughs> oh dear. Mm. So yeah, no, I thought it was good. I thought the actress playing uh, Tahira. Right. I thought that was. It's interesting. I mean, we'll, we'll possibly come on to that when we come to our comparison with the Crusade, you know, a yeah. story with which this has very little in common, apart from you know, after <laughs> after having somewhat lucked in with our, our previous um, selections, um, I think we knew this was going to be a yeah. random thing based on a setting, and it's but it's still interesting. You get points, and one th one thing, the the handling of the how do you deal with um, dialogue. Mm. And and settings that are yes. avowedly in the past, and here we got here we got the the direct opposite, uh, the antithesis of the Whitaker approach, which is to cast things in, you know, cast things in very modern language and have people talking about concepts that we imagine are um, mm. probably foolishly imagine are you know, modern, modernist concepts that you know that 
that were not so well formulated in the past. But I think equally, you know, you can't you can't really say you know that one is really more valid than the other. It's just a it's a trope we have that um, that we imagine all, all all people in history times spoke spoke in cod Shakespearean, really. Yeah. So I think it was an interesting approach, and probably one that works better with Doctor Who as it is now to treat those characters in a more modern setting really yeah yeah i mean i i i I'll perhaps have a couple of fairly spurious links between the two we can talk about later on mm. so so i thought i mean immediately when you've got them her running through the the, the back streets of aleppo i mean it, and of course a cold open so you were just saying the other week how Yay, it would be nice yes. to have one and 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 then we have one and it works mm. so well as as, yeah. a, as a hook into the story so it makes you wonder why they haven't done more of them absolutely when they be, when they seem to have been writing them you know, it doesn't seem to have affected the scripts. You know, the, the scripts usually have that moment, hmm. that moment of you know, two or three minutes into the script where there is a obvious yeah. place for it to go, and I just think it helps the pacing so much. Hmm. So I was delighted to see. <laughs> yeah, indeed, but but I guess the the running through the back streets. I mean, it, it, it's a little, it's a rather nicer set or, or model than than you've got in the Crusade, but it's mm. kind of reminiscent of it. You've in their more limited way, they've got uh, you know Barbara darting among the shadows, and 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 so you, you've got something similar. True enough. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, uh, a nice setting. I mean, the 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 only thing about that whole Syrian part is, I guess, one is why. I mean, it, there doesn't seem to be any reason why we end up with Syria in 1380, other than why not? Mm. And and there's a very clunky expositionary dialogue bit with Jodie Whittaker where she starts going on about Syria and hospitals and Islamic doctors and whatever and enlightenment mm. and so on, which yes. you know is, is 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 nice, and and I, I I don't disagree with any of it, but again, it 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 feels a bit kind of shoehorned in. To the to the script, and they can't think of any other way to to get that information across to us. Yes, yeah, not that I've got any particular knowledge of you know, sort of Islamic medicine hmm. practices, but certainly I've just I was just doing something for a book I was working on the other day, right? With with regard to you know like um, Islamic knowledge of physics and stuff like that, and hmm. you know, and I think it's it's a widely overlooked thing still the sort of Islamic sure. golden age stuff and quite where scholarship got them. Hmm. Yeah, I remember going on holiday to the south of Spain, well, decades ago, but but seeing uh, all that fantastic uh, Islamic architecture. It dates mm. from about the same period as this, mm. you know. Notably, I suppose the Alhambra, mm. but uh, you know, a couple of beautiful mosques as well. And 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 you realise that it's a fantastically intricate and clever civilization mm. that that's you know sadly overlooked really in our in our culture and and, and history. Simon, we've 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 kept you quiet for a little bit. Uh, do you want to chip in again? Yeah, I, I I touched on how good Graham and Bradley Walsh were, and then that built up to a, what what could have been a nice sort of crescendo where he talks openly about his fears of his cancer mm. coming back, mm. and then I thought that was a little bit clunky. The Doctor's reaction to him. You, you can see in the past where the the doctor is very single-minded about focusing on what what he or she wants to do on a planet and go off in a jaunt on their own, irrespective of the danger to the companion. So you can you can see then that the doctor's a little bit indifferent. But you know, surely surely the doctor there could have come up with some words of sympathy or 
tapped him on the shoulder or you know we can work mm. through this together it mm. that just seemed it just seemed very clumsy and wrong having dealt with mental health issues so sensitively through that story <laughs> that just didn't that just you know at well, the end he gets cold shouldered i mean the yes. only, the, only, the only corollary i've got to that is to say that you know yes it's clunky but on the other hand you, i mean the way that i thought you could see it is graham is sort of saying to her look i've got this problem where i'm terrified of cancer coming back and she's sort of saying to him well look Graham I've got this problem where I'm a bit socially awkward and I never really know what to say and you know in a sense they're opening up to each other about their the problems that they've got um, and it doesn't quite come across in that way it does feel like she's giving the cold shoulder but you, you, you could kind of see it as her saying you know I, I, you've opened up to me I'll, I'll open up to you and and so if, if you find that, uh, that you're you know, you're getting something strange from me. It's, you know, it's a, it's an affliction that I've got, and I'm trying to work through. So I don't know. It, it, I, I, I thought you could see it in that way. Well, I think I think Jodie Whittaker's doctor's probably got another dark secret, and then any second she's going to unzip herself, and Sue Pollard's going to leap out. <laughs> <laughs> um. I've been. It's uh, for eight. We're we're, we're one and a half. Um, series into Jodie Whittaker and each week when she's gurning and pulling faces and being scattered, it's reminded me of someone and it finally came to me and said, it's, it reminds me of Sue Pollard in Heidi High Peggy, the Peggy yeah. character Thanks for that Simon now I've <laughs> <laughs> Once seen cannot be unseen isn't that what the young people say? <laughs> um, yeah, getting back to that point I mean, yes, so, yeah, it's an interesting point because I've um, I I hooted at that at the at the time, but yes, now now you've because um, I I thought that's <laughs> I thought that's really nice and quite true to the true to the Doctor's character, as it were, hmm. not quite knowing how to engage with human beings on that yeah on that level. Um, but on the other hand, I you know now that now that you made the point, Simon, yes, it is somewhat off kilter with the. The message of the episode, interesting, but yes. So maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe I need to take Richard's point of view and think. Okay, that's a good way of resolving, sort of squaring that particular circle. I mean, it's interesting, isn't it, that that they get back to Sheffield and immediately you've got the the three companions. They they fall in with their friends and family, and you know they, they they you know all of them. To some extent, uh, have a have a fairly uh, easy relationship. I mean, clearly in, in Yaz's and Ryan's case, they've got a few creases to to uh, to smooth out with with those relationships. But you know, nonetheless, there's a, there's a relatively easy touch they've got. Graham's straight back in there with his um, uh, poker buddies or whatever they are. Mm. And then you've got the Doctor being the embodiment for, of awkward and stuck in the TARDIS, not quite sure what to do with herself. Mm. You know, bit bored, bit fed up, and even when she returns to to Aleppo, she forgets that they're not with her. And I guess they're signposting at the start what she then says at the end. So it's it, it, it's it's there's a coherence, I suppose, throughout the story. You know, albeit that it does does maybe stick out like a sore thumb when it when she um, says the thing. Mm. Ryan's mate has a better accent than him. I was just uh, going to say, can I give a shout? Out? I was just about. To, it was on the tip of my tongue to say, just can I can I give a shout out to Tebow? And the, well, the actor, 
the actor who played him because I was just thinking, yeah, this guy's yeah, I like this guy. It was instantly. <laughs> he instantly didn't do like Ryan him. any favours, did he? No, no. Exactly. <laughs> oh, then again, I, I, I'm glad that we didn't. Um, clearly, they they kind of felt okay. They'd they'd addressed at least there was some self knowledge that they spent enough of a um, they'd spent the previous season addressing Ryan's issues. Hmm. As it were, so it was probably not a good idea. So then, having sort of sorted out some of his demons, they needed a different way into his into you know into the story from for him his point of view. Hmm. So giving him a friend who has some issues in that regard was a was a good way. But yeah, no, great hmm. great actor, nice little parts, I think. Hmm. And interesting, also Yaz and her sister. Once hmm. the parents are out of the way. They've got a a, a a much more interesting relationship in 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 the the story last year the the spider mm. one they're sort of you know sniping off each other the whole time but they you get the feeling that that um, Yaz's sister Sonia is trying to get the attention of the parents and it's all about competing for attention with the the mother and the father whereas get them out of the way and there's still a little bit of of um, interplay between them but they're a lot more steady with each other and that mm. you'd sense there's some affection i mean and there's yes. that lovely lo- the, the lovely line though i like you know sonia's not cut out for customer services people are really <laughs> annoying and they hate being told that <laughs> oh, it's, what, it's what all of us wants to do to do mm. in a customer services job i'm sure yeah so just getting back onto the sci-fi elements of things um yeah yes yeah, so what do we think of the um the villains, as such, I mean, beyond the beyond the performance side of things, I mean, I, I quite like the, you know, I think the basic concept. It's funny the the word toy maker crossed my crossed my lips about thirty, hmm. about about one second before it crossed um, crossed Zenin's lips um, when he because I, I was just saying, hang on, is it the toy maker? And moments you know moments later, he name checked the toy maker as being another being. Other than himself, so I thought, oh well, he's mm. not, but he's clearly playing in the same ballpark. Yes, I quite like this this idea. It was quite nice to name check some of that sort of pantheon of Doctor Who's godlike beings. Yeah. Yes, and, and he, he's got an interesting superpower as well, which is well, I mean, as well as being you know virtually omnipotent until he isn't, um, he he also manages to trick the Doctor into action. Which mm. is rather rather nice that you know she's fooled into into looking at something at face value rather than you know, seeing that there's something a little bit more complex going on. Mm, yes, yes. I didn't really get the get the resolution of the, of the story. I mean, I, 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 it didn't bother me. You know, the the, the yeah. resolution of the, the sort of the a plot, as it were, how yeah. they tra- how they trap them. Yeah, I was I was willing to just take it as read. Okay, yeah. there's a MacGuffin. And yeah, done. Okay. Yeah, so I've so I've called it a, a, a Deus in Machina ending mm. because uh, you know rather than the god coming out of the machine, they they pop him back into it. Mm. <laughs> but yes. uh, you know, apart from that, uh, mm. I agree. It does seem all seem to happen very quickly. But I, but I suppose um, what we could say about it, it you know, it, it's not really about that. No, you know, I mean, no, the, exactly. The, the episode is 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 more about. The companions and their foibles, I suppose, rather than the, mm. the, the those beings. Yes, yeah, I, I agree on that. The, the beings were a you know, that whole that whole thing is just a mechanism to to explore the other stuff. Mm. So I wonder. Yes, 
give a shout out for the um the animated sequence I thought was lovely as well. Yes. That's a the, good call, yeah. That was very it, well done. Yes. Uh, I wonder I imagine it must have been scripted, it kind of kind of been the director's um I'd I'd be very surprised if the director had decided to do that with her own bats because they had to you know, they they clearly had to show all of this in some way or other. But it was uh, mm. yeah. Very no, very nice indeed and and uh, not something the missus said, Yeah, this isn't like you see in Doctor Who when we were watching yeah. it. Yeah, this isn't something you normally see in Doctor Who and true enough and yeah, all the better for it. So Well it's brilliant that it wasn't another one of those nasty exposition type you know exchanges mm, yes but, but, but well i mean it, was, it obviously was exposition but it was exposition in a nice um, mm. visual way rather than this kind of you know let's pretend to have a conversation while regurgitating two-thirds mm. of the plot indeed yeah yeah i like that that was a neat so, oh go on simon sorry Richard. there was a neat trick the doctor used as well to get her hands on the sonic screwdriver Sort of mm. flicking it out of her hip pocket. Mm. Sonic that, screwdriver to the rescue again. <laughs> <laughs> is that is that footballing skills or something? You know, the, the flick or something. I, don't know. I thought so. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So, what do you think about the uh, the creature, Simon? The, uh, the 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 the. I suppose it's Tahira's nightmare, isn't it? Oh. Yeah. Mm. That looked like a. It was a werewolf, wasn't it? it looked like a werewolf to me. We seem to have a lot of beasties in this um, series with mm. um, mouthful of teeth, don't we? And I thought, mm. oh, not not, an- not another one, but this one, I, for the setting, it I thought that was really convincing. I thought that was a good, like a, weird, a good beastie, a weird ape or something like that, almost. Mm. Mm. It's like it seems seems slightly ape-like to me. And, um, but yes, no, it, it was it was nicely carried off, and they didn't. Um, happily, they didn't really over. Um, they didn't push it too far with what they were trying to get it to do. I think mm. the claws were nice and creepy at the start. Mm. I thought, oh, the Slitheen back. Oh yes, <laughs> <laughs> that would have been a. Um... <laughs> it was a bit like that, wasn't it? Yeah. Been a turn up for the book. It's funny. That's the, the seeing the claws and thinking of the Slitheen. That that's what made me think of Jodie Whittaker unzipping herself. Oh. <laughs> 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 But yeah, that 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 beastie probably wouldn't have held up for a, a whole story. Mm. So I think it was pitched just right and just used enough to mm. whet mm. your appetite. Yes. And uh, no, I thought again that was very well realised. So good, good beastie, mm. and uh, good. You you two are the science experts, but I thought that was that was nicely handled as well. So a good time hopping and universe hopping story, I think. Well, I wouldn't. Yes, I. I I think science-wise, I wouldn't say there was a there was an enormous amount of science in there, really. And you, you, know, you, how do you feel about two planets almost touching, but not quite? Uh, well, I guess if you, you know, if you stick something in the middle of it that's that is immensely powerful, then you can stop stop anything from doing anything in in Doctor <laughs> in Doctor Who land. I think yes. by that point, it would be. Um, Yes, but it's—I don't know. I mean, that, that's the thing. Again, it's one of those things where I always hang my, you know, take my take my Doctor Science brain off the hook, and think, you know, and I, <laughs> I, I still want to see the Tides of Time. I still want to see the. Uh, I, I don't know. Were you guys into the comics at the right period? But the, um, 
That whole I remember thing, that particular that whole one. Thing yeah. with, the, with the solar system bolted together, mm. that some advanced civilization have basically bolted their entire solar system together, and that's a fantastic image. And I cannot believe that you know, post two thousand and five, Doctor Who hasn't. You, know, you think it's exactly the kind of thing that RTD would have grabbed and said, "Right, I'm having that." Mm. Yeah, so I'm rather surprised, but yeah. I like things like that, and I'm happy to take my take my sciencey brain off the hook for stuff like that. So mm. perhaps I shouldn't admit that I don't mind that the moon is an egg. <laughs> <laughs> shh, shh. Nobody I, I mean, to heard. be honest, I I, I didn't mind that the moon was an egg. The thing I didn't like on the moon was an egg. <laughs> it, it, it was it, it was it was when it laid another egg afterwards. Mm. It was a bit of a problem. <laughs> 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 but anyway. Mm. <laughs> so um, the nightmares of the companions so when we've talked about it a bit already but Yaz is alone Ryan waited too long to, to um, come back and, and Graham's got his cancer back again mm. yes yeah very nice uh, lovely to see Sharon D. Clark yep. pop up again just for a little um, just for a little moment there Interesting. Yeah, well, they all, they, yes, they're all in, in character. I think. Well, you know, what can you, what can you say? I mean, I think, mm. Graham's is certainly, Graham's, completely makes sense because he's a, he's a better rounded character. Ryan's, yes. Ryan's um, makes sense in terms of what he's, yeah, you know, it made sense to sort of bolt something onto what he's, experienced this season. As I said, rather than mm. rather than sort of go into the archaeology of. Things that have now been resolved, supposedly to do with these relationships, and Yaz's one, it was nice. I, I thought it was very nicely handled. Um, yeah, it was somewhat sort of made up from whole cloth for the for the occasion, because we sadly haven't had enough. I don't yes. think had enough past info on her to to say. Oh, of course, that would be her thing. Yeah. Although that psychological insight didn't, you know, it wasn't necessarily anything you'd have guessed from Yaz. Uh, although I suppose noisy Asian family, maybe there was a certain th- connection there. But uh, it was nice that we got a got a little nod to okay, and this is why you became a policewoman. Yes, yes, indeed. So from that point of view, it was a nice character beat. Mm. Yes, I, I mean I I haven't been able to think of any uh, anything that was seeded in a previous plot that that would point in this direction. I mean, it's always possible that there was something, and uh, you know, it's passed us by, but. Uh, uh, it feels this feels to me more like the kind of you know bad wolf thing where people kind of you know we feel felt like Russell T Davis shoehorned it in after the fact when he mm. had the idea rather than it having been necessarily seeded all the way through. Mm. Yes, and of course we got a brief glimpse of the um the whole timeless child scenario. Yeah, whatever was yeah. Go- whatever's going on there, but um, that's obviously not meant to make any sense to us just yet. No, uh, Ryan. It would appear is is um, getting ready to leave. I mean, that that that's, that's, seems to be the import of of uh, the last couple of minutes of the story, mm. which I know would pain all of us if it happened. <laughs> well, I, th- I I thought his worst nightmare would be having to recite Shakespeare with a Sheffield accent, or <laughs> having having to learn a whole page of dialogue and emote it. <laughs> uh. But how nice to actually just get that, you know, to get that quiet moment at the, you know, hmm. um, yeah, at the end of actually having 
and we had the two the two conversations obviously went on that like we had the the Jodie and Graham one as a gag but then yes yeah just having to actually have one of those moments and feel like okay people are having a an actual conversation that might actually have some meaningful impacts in terms of character developments and so on hmm yeah, and we it feels like I mean there's there's, there's almost ten minutes to go at the point of resolution. Mm, yes, uh, yeah. I mean, and, and, and it's not it's not the first time. I and mean, there've been other stories in New Who where, where everything's done and dusted, and 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 there's ten minutes to go. So, but yeah, it's, it's the times used quite nice nicely to um, to to round out the stories of the of the companions. Yeah. Mm. And uh, and we don't we don't get anything from the doctor, you know, uh, where she says something like, "Look, if you're feeling really down, it's right important <laughs> to do something about it, like talk mm. to someone." But obviously not me, because I don't do that kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> no, fortunately, fortunately not. Um, <laughs> no, which I think was where this 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 nicely shot the line, personally. Mm. I was, I, I I'm finding. Um, Jodie Whittaker's TARDIS into her a bit dull after Dr. Roof's. Dr. Roof's was mm. perfect. I keep mm. wanting it to come back. I'm sure it will. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Yes. It does feel a bit um, awkward from the point of view of seating arrangements and so on. And yes. Where exactly? So Vernon Ronan and Yaz had to go and sit on the stairs in order to yeah. have a conversation. <laughs> it's just, I don't know. Yeah. I know that some. Um, I know that I know that budgets weren't necessarily stretched to extra tardis rooms and so on. But I think having a design that has a um, has a bit of a nod to the fact that people actually have to live in this, you know, space time ship, is a good is you know, is a good idea. Hmm. Where is it? Is it a tease as well? We keep seeing random historical figures getting plucked and taken away in the tardis, and they fit in seamlessly. Hmm. And then they're deposited back to where they belong. I mean, are one of the one of these going to crop up later on as a permanent companion? It seems to be a recurring theme. Hmm. Hmm. That's very true. Yeah. Mm, uh, Tahira wasn't mind wiped, was she? No. Mind you, maybe she didn't see anything. Anything else you wanted to say about this one before we move along to something else? I think the only thing I was just going to say, you know, I guess the. I, God knows, I've been staying away from the, staying away from the forums. So God knows whether whether some people threw their toys out the pram about the action line thing at the end. I think I think it's fine. I have no, you know, I positively applaud it um, hmm. in the circumstances. And I was just thinking, I think that's the um, it's the first time they've had that on Doctor Who since Vincent and the Doctor. I think would mm-hmm. would have been possibly the only previous example of that. I'm pretty sure they ran it then. Yeah. And yeah, much as I enjoyed this, this was no Vincent and the Doctor. Yeah, yeah, and and, and let's face it, um, uh, you'd much sooner have the action line thing than Graham Norton. So, <laughs> you know, so, so yeah, you know, it, it was. Uh, mm. I think it was well earned. Yes. Um, yeah. Any any other final thoughts, Simon? Before we move on, no, it's just great to have an enjoyable episode again. After I mean you. You you two enjoyed it slightly more the previous story, but um, I th- I thought this one was excellent. My my big test is whether I'm in a rush to watch it again, and I am with this one. Mm-hmm. I could just watch Zelin. I thought he was fantastic, and he had that wonderful Sting background music as well when he appeared mm-hmm. in a puff of smoke. 
<laughs> yeah, I thought, I thought it was tremendous. Mm. Really, yeah. really well realised. Yes, I did like the, the sheer weirdness of the finger thing. I thought that was <laughs> that was just. <laughs> I did it's... think of Vic and Bob and um, shooting stars as well. Of oh, course, <laughs> <laughs> I really want to see those fingers. Oh, <laughs> Yes, and, and and I mean the the, uh, the female Eternal as well. I've forgotten the name of her. I mean, she was uh, pretty good too. Yes, I mean he. Yeah. I mean he, he had something about him. I would I, I would agree with that. But I thought they they, they made quite an interesting uh, couple. The fact that there was you know almost nothing about them that was similar. Mm. Um, yes, agreed. Okay, um, Simon, do you want to do your strand next? Yeah, I'll just explain. I. Because I enjoyed the Crusade so much, Giles, I thought I'd do a bit of research on all the historicals and what 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 truly makes a historical Doctor Who classic story. And I started to find the lines a bit blurred. So what I was going to do is just pick some at random, mm. and then you and Richard have to decide whether it's a historical or not. Ooh, okay, right. So, so off we go. Um, the gun. How about the gunfighters? Oh, well, I mean, uh, that seems. To me, that seems pretty straightforwardly historical. You know, there's, there's, there's no kind of weird alien tech going on. They sort of land in the middle of a of a historical event. Uh, so far as we can, yes, yeah. No, it's the thing. Yeah, it's it's interesting because the moment you actually threw me the question, I was going to say, well, this will be easy because basically, if it doesn't have anything, and but now I'm thinking, okay, well, the gunfighters is so. So much set in Western fiction, rather than well, there is, yes, yes, I suppose there is <laughs> rather than it, rather than <laughs> anything that approximates the real old West. But, but yes, it's a historical in terms of we're not going to have any, um, yeah, no mucky around with the space-time continuum. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's as realistic as as the uh, you know Crusade is. In you know, uh, it seems to be set I in a Shakespeare it, play. Yes, I suppose it is, except yeah, in a different direction. Yeah. yeah. I love I love it, but just to, just for the avoidance of doubt, I love the gunfighters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'm despite despite all that awful singing, because of all that <laughs> awful singing, you like all that. <laughs> Perhaps that was the sort of Christmas special almost of its day. <laughs> Indeed, yeah. although it wasn't shown then. I I always try and love the singing, and and I I always make a brave attempt, and then somewhere around about the middle of episode three, it breaks me. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, moving on. How about the Time Warrior? That lovely medieval setting. Yeah. And Iron, I think it's Iron... Is it Iron Gron and his Merry Men? Mm. Mm, yes. Yeah. Well, so so this one... That's, that's, that's an interesting question. So so, so there's, there's, two, there's two questions about that one. I mean, first off, you've, you've got a healthy amount of present day at the start, before they go back... And then, of course, when they go back, there's a Sontaran in it. I mean, I, personally, for me, I don't disqualify it simply because it's got a bit of alien in the historical setting. Hmm. I think, on the whole, the, um, the you know the, the 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 bit in the historical setting is played sort of relatively straight. Yeah, I, it's. I mean, it's not. It's it's not a historical in the in the sense that the Hartnells and and, and the one Troughton was, but. They make a fair stab at, at the historical setting. What do you think, Charles? Um, I'm, I'm just trying to think this through because I've, you know, I'm just thinking about what we're, you know, how are we defining historical? And I, I think maybe there's something to be said for the, 
for the idea that rather than just our our sort of classically derived definition that it's you know like if it hasn't got aliens in it, yeah, it's a, you know it's a pure historical. I'm thinking, okay, is it is it more to do with whether there's a pivotal moments of history and things like that in it? And it does rather use the history as a backdrop rather than um, rather although it, it although it handles it nicely, the history isn't essential to the story. I don't think so. Hmm. It's it, it's it's only it's only sense story insofar as they're they're useless to the Sontar, and so he has to, to reach forward into the future oh, in order to, to sort yes, it out. Right. Yes. But but you're right. I mean, hmm. aside from that, it could have been any time. It just happens hmm. to be the Middle Ages. But that does add a whole other level of science fiction to it. Of course, the, hmm. the time time snatching and so hmm. on. So. Hmm. No, I think it's got too. I think it's got too much. Yeah, too much sci-fi for me to count it as a historical, personally. Okay, what about the Black Orchid? I've always thought of Black Orchid as being a, a, a straightforward historical. There, you know, they, they, there's, there's the funny bit where they where they sort of show them the TARDIS as if that's going to solve everything, but but you know that aside, it's a con- that is... country house <laughs> historical, isn't it? <laughs> God. Yes, that is the weirdest. Yeah, that you you just put your finger on something there, which that has to be the the weirdest and most gratuitous bit of a let's let's show everyone the TARDIS. There's absolutely no reason for that whatsoever in that story, is there? Mm. And it's um, it's just like you know, we're not being faced with an extraterrestrial threat. We've not. Yeah. Oh, by the way, yes. Did I mention that we're um, space-time flappers? <laughs> 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 Flappers, I said. <laughs> yeah, no, that is really odd. And again, thinking of my the definition I'm possibly groping towards, I think it's a period piece, but it's not. Again, historical is a an interesting question because it's not. It doesn't. The historical aspect of it really doesn't come into it as such. Hmm. I think you, I think the kids try, would think they're one, they're ones with no they're the ones with no monsters yeah and then a more sort of well, technical the look just, at it is they're mm. they're purely historical they're, there's mm. there's no science fiction elements other yeah. than this chap turning or lady turning up in a blue box mm. who's a time traveller yeah mm. that's the thing I'm desperately trying to sort of grope my way towards whether there's a to avoid just going yes no yes no and just go down and tick box on on those kind of criteria, right. I'm trying to bend the rules a little bit mm. because my my uh, my you know having looked at the crusade again, that's reminded that's made me fall in love with Hartnell stories again mm. almost. And mm. my, one of my favourite stories with a sort of historical slant is the Time Meddler. Mm. Yes, yeah, and that's again that's a wonderful historical historic setting and a and a key pivotal moment in history mm. and it's got the wonderful character the meddling monk in it as mm. well mm. it was one of my favorites so i was just i was just thinking you know how, how blurred are the lines between yes. something that's purely historical like mm. the aztecs and then you've got something like i don't know you've got the king's demons that has a little bit mm. of somebody mm. from the future into or someone a time traveler interfering yeah. with the story again so so i mean the time meddler is 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 fantastic because you're so you're so sold on the historical setting that it's a real kind of lurch to suddenly realize. I mean, obviously not 
for, for probably for the three of us because we're already spoiled by the fact that it's got the meddling monk in it. But mm. if you take yourself back to the original viewing, for the first however long, it just feels like mm. a, a, an ordinary historical. And suddenly you realise that there's uh, anachronisms going on. And then mm. eventually you get the the, the, the the sight of a TARDIS and you suddenly think, oh my goodness. Mm. Uh, the, the, uh, now the story's turned on its head. So, yeah. Yes. Isn't the gramophone revealed the first... Yes, I think isn't, that's is, it. Isn't the, isn't the skipping gramophone the first first hint <laughs> we get that something's wrong with the the monks mm. chanting is actually the the gramophone? I mean, it's lovely. I you know, it's such a shame that there are some things like that that you can't um that you can't go back and experience completely fresh mm. as someone would have seen that in you know as your average you know fanatical dot two viewer would have would have experienced it in nineteen sixty five. You wouldn't be expecting that, would you? You'd be. Mm. You think, okay, now here's Doctor Who in an exciting adventure with some, with some Vikings and some Normans mm. and some Saxons, rather. And then, yeah, and then they go and throw that one at you. So, if you could pick, if you could both pick one of each, one purely historical, with no science fiction in it, other than the, the Doctor's arrival, and then a story I, I call it a sort of time-bending story, like the Time Warrior. Which which two would you each pick? Well, I'll tell you a, a, a story that I saw. Well, I saw it. I, I I saw the reconstruction of not all that long ago. That I really loved was the Highlanders. I mean, I I have to say I knew almost nothing about the Highlanders one way or another. I I I don't think I'd ever listened to the soundtrack of it. I'd not read the target novelization it came out too late for me mm. and so I didn't really know what it was about to be honest I mean I'd seen the odd synopsis here or there so yeah I mean I, I came on that relatively unspoiled and and there's there's some fantastic stuff in that in that story Polly in particular is fantastic she, oh, she, she leads is, everyone yes. an, an absolute merry dance in mm. it poor old Adjanon Finch <laughs> yeah I mean, the doctor he is. everything that's coming to him, but yeah. <laughs> indeed, the doctor is crazy. I mean, he's absolutely crazy, but mm. but he's he's almost like a sideshow in it at times. You know, to, he's he's not really driving the plot so much. Mm. Uh, I mean, there are there are parts when he does, and and Jamie's such an incidental character. Really, you sort of feel because of his, uh, for, you know, for, because he becomes such an important character that his. His opening story must he must be an important figure, but actually, um, you know, he's neither here nor there. And the reason that they ask him to join, I guess, is more because they like Fraser than because they thought that the character of Jamie was was fantastic. Mm. But um, but yeah, no, it's I mean, it, it's it, I, I would certainly recommend to anyone if you can find the um, uh, the loose canon version of of, uh, of the Highlanders on on a, on the internet somewhere you don't honestly have to look all that hard to find it <laughs> then it's, it's definitely definitely well worth a look mm, thank you it's got a very that's... dark undercurrent it's got a very dark undercurrent to it as well isn't it the highlanders oh yeah 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 i mean the, the whole highland clearances and so on and, and and the nastiness of the of the english soldiers yeah yeah it mm. does yeah um it's interesting i go yeah because that's that comes from the very the tail end of the, the yeah, original run of historicals where I think you could say you know, they they get more they get they get more playful than some I don't know I guess I guess they're always doing different things but that's obviously towards towards the very end you've got things where they're they're more riffing on what sort of classic literatures take on yeah. certain things so it's a so this is really as you know 
out of the in the vein of kidnaps and you know and those Robert Louis Stevenson adventure stories and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and the smugglers is obviously you know, you know the bastard child of Moonfleet and yeah. um, Treasure Island. Yeah. And then, but I've, yeah, I mean, for for me, I personally, I, I can't get past. I think I think it has to be the Aztecs. Is um. Uh-huh. Yeah, very good. Is you know, it's just it's a superlative episode, you know, story in in so many ways. And interestingly enough, it's again, it does quite raise this question of where do you draw the line and how do you how do you find a pure historical? Because although it's a although it's a pure historical in terms of that there are no other science fiction trappings of of all of them, it's the one where the the science fiction concept of can you you know can you alter history? Mm. What does it you know of of all of the historicals that I can that I can bring to mind? It's the one where that is put front and center. Mm. So in some ways, it's a you know it's a sci-fi story, and that it's debating it's debating that question of what what are the mm. the ethics and the implications within the Doctor Who universe of of trying to do of if Barbara tries to do that, mm. and I don't think there's anything that really touches on it quite so. Much although um yeah although obviously the um the crusade briefly touches on it at the end um Vicky yes ponders on whether they could whether they could sort of help Richard by you know or change things by um, by sort of telling Richard that he's not going <laughs> to he's not going to get to Jerusalem <laughs> but yes and again that's very much at the you know the Aztecs is very much at the Cod Shakespearean end of the hmm. historical scale isn't it. Yeah, it's one of those perfect, you know, perfect storms of everything coming together and making something really outstanding, just as a piece of television, as well mm. as a piece of Doctor Who. I think. Sure. So, Simon, you got a favourite? Mm, yes, Very good. I the Highlanders is high on my list as well, but I I love the Smugglers. Oh yeah, another ah. story. <laughs> another story. Sadly, there's there's very little remaining of it. But mm. I've got a big soft spot for Cornwall because I'm a huge Poldark fan, <laughs> so I love I love the setting. Um, from what we can see and hear of it, I think the acting is top notch in it as well. Mm. Yeah, and it's just a nice, it's just a lovely historical romp. Um, it's a strong Ben and Polly story, and mm. there's not enough of those really for me. No, they're absolutely. Two of my favourite characters mm-hmm. and companions, and they're much overlooked. So that's a that's a really strong one for me. And then the time, all the of all the time bending ones there's all there's all sorts that springs that one there's pyramids of mars yes the time warrior the mm. mask of mandragor i think's my favorite mm. okay yeah i mean for, for mm. the time bending ones for that i, I was going to say evil of the daleks i quite like the victorian setting in that and and uh, the you know the, the the juxtaposition of the daleks against the country mm. house i think it's quite interesting you know, uh, uh, what, yeah. what, uh, do not feed the the flying pests. Whatever it is. <laughs> <laughs> yes, um, I suppose it would. Yes, doing... they tend to crap all over your car. Don't they? <laughs> mm, yes. Yeah, Dalek bodywork is a hell to clean. Yeah. All those bumps. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, I suppose if I was if we were picking the the ones with more sci-fi to them, I would. Um, having name changed already, I'd have to. I think I'd probably. Probably say Vincent and the Doctor had going new oh, series yes. really um, good choice. Yep, and again, it's one of those marvelous things where it does something different with the format. Mm. It's almost it's in some ways it's almost is a pure historical 
and okay, we're, I guess we're meant to take the monster at face value as, as being a real monster. But yes, and it does it does that marvelous sappy, very Richard Curtis mm. moment of you know where it's one of those things that only a non Doctor Who writer would come in and say, well, why can't I just take him to the future and show him, yeah, you know, what his legacy is going to be? Because mm. anyone more versed in the um, the series law would say, well, no, you can't. You can't rewrite history not one line. Mm. Yeah, so, yeah, that would be my choice. Mm. Uh, although he kind of has his cake and eats it too, doesn't he? Because oh, because, yes. he, because he still doesn't change the, the history. But no, but, it, no. but I, I mean, I, th- I think it's I think it works in both ways. I think it it mm. it, 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 it has the marvelous moment where he realizes that he has had uh, an impact, and yet it also that it, that's not going to change the ultimate. Uh, mm. Impact because in the end, of course, it's not really about his self-esteem, is it? It's a, it's, it's it's an illness that he's got. Mm, yes. Yeah. Good. Well, I mean, th- Simon, thanks. So, thanks for that. It's food for thought. Yeah. Sorry. Did you have anything else you wanted to say to us? No. No. All, all solid choices. I, I I came up a great big list. There's all, you know, Talons of Wing Chiang. That's a. Oh yes. That's a historical setting. If, if, you, if, get, you get. If Paul were with us, he probably would have pulled that one out. <laughs> <laughs> But no, that was a that was a lot of fun, mm. and that's that was all kickstarted, of course, by watching the Crusade. Mm. Yeah, yeah, which we're going to talk about now. Indeed. Sir Richard of Smith, I've been waiting to speak with you. Oh, are you William Shakespeare? Pray, what about thief? I beg your pardon. Visitor of sorrows, depriver of my children, robber of my goods. Who's this? Do you know? Hmm, his face is a bit familiar. No, I do not. But never mind that. You, you steal my words. Really? Listen to this sketch. It is formed from the very words of my pen. And a pretty poor sketch, too. Where's the plausibility? Where did you both come from? (laughs) Words. One after another. All stolen from me. Yeah, and stolen from me. Yes. Now, there really is a point there, isn't there? If I stole from you, William Shakespeare, mm-hmm. how could I steal from him? Ah, David Whittaker. Ah. You did. You did steal from me. Then how could I steal from him, eh, you blockhead? Please, please. Now, I had the words first. Oh, how nice for you. And I had them second. Did you receive them from me? No. Then, whoever it was stole them from Shakespeare must have given them to you. Now, don't you agree? Uh, yes. So Mr Whittaker must have stolen them from you. Whittaker, you villain! Now, 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 just a minute. Oh, my dear Shakespeare, so undignified. Whittaker may have copied the form of your plays, but he arranged them in good faith and was paid for them in good money just as you were. But I've come to catch a thief. Mr Shakespeare, your own plays are an amalgamation of stories from history and legend. If anything, you are the thief. Ah, alack, I have caught my thief, and it is I. Joy to you, Richard, giver of life to a writer on a BBC salary. Yes, 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 off you go, off you go. Phew, that was a close shave. Who'd have thought reusing scenes from Doctor Who as a comedy sketch would be so perilous?
So, Crusade, David Whittaker, four parts from 1965. So, we, so I mean, clearly, obviously, I picked this one because I thought, well, we've got a, a story that has at least some parts set in the Middle East in the Middle Ages. What, what else have we got that does that? Well, okay, what about the Crusade? Mm. <laughs> and as Giles has said, it, uh, you know, it, it, that's the only superficial thing that the two things share, really, is... is, is you know, and it's still it's still almost two hundred years apart, but mm. the, but they do have you know almost the same setting, and, and and you do I guess see that to some extent when, uh, in terms of those chase sequences in the dark going through the, mm. the, the the edge of the city, but yeah, but I mean that's very very thin. I, I'll I'll come at the end maybe to some other similarities, but the crusade. I mean we've 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 kind of touched on it both in terms of the the sketch. Um, and also, we've you know, we've mentioned it more than once. The, this this kind of sense of it almost being a, a Shakespearean play, written very nicely, I think, by by David Whittaker. Mm. You know, not not talking down to the uh, to the children of of the mid sixties, but actually demanding in a way that you know, even if they don't follow every single word and every single meaning, that they're carried along by the by the the way the actors are playing it. And that mm. they'll they'll sort of understand the meaning of it. So yeah, I, I, and I think something to be learned maybe in that for for modern uh, writers who who sometimes feel that things need to be telegraphed uh, and and extremely obvious for the younger viewers. And and you know, David David Whittaker didn't didn't hold by that. He he was quite happy to to allow them to to work it out for themselves. Mm. So anyway, thoughts about the Crusade? Well, we just talked about historicals and and the lines being blurred between what's what's purely historical and people might be wondering well how can these historical stories be any good there's no there's no monsters in them there's not much science fiction you know what what's so good about them and if you haven't seen a classical heart and all that that you that you can still get your hands on and see somewhere then then please do it because the beauty of them is the TARDIS arrives somewhere randomly mm. and because of the quality of the writing and the acting the crew and the Doctor instantly immersed in that particular period. So in the Crusade, Ian seamlessly becomes the Knight of Jaffa. Yeah. Barbara becomes immersed in the world of um, Saladin. Mm-hmm. So you see the Crusade from both perspectives, from Richard the Lionheart and his his entourage, and then um, Saladin as well. Mm. And you're not worried about the you're not worried about the lack of monsters after a while watching it because you you're wondering how Ian's going to find Barbara. So you're gripped by that. You can see a wonderful performance as well by William Hartnell. Um, he does a bit of comedy, stealing some clothes as a disguise. He has wonderful on-screen chemistry with Vicky. Mm-hmm. And then, as ever with Hartnell, as, as you'll see, guys, when you when you dip into the classical stories that still survive, he totally immerses himself in the world and starts to meddle in, in affairs of court with Richard the Lionheart and trying to broker plans between Saladin and, and Richard the Lionheart and it's just totally gripping it's like watching it's like watching a marvellous BBC costume drama mm. it's that good yes yeah I was just checking and it's interesting because this is the second of the series two historicals so obviously we've had the Romans the one that comes before this and that's the one yeah. that really Maybe really breaks the mold and starts doing different things. Yeah, the, seri- the series one historicals, I guess, are fairly. They'll treat it fairly straight. Yeah. Uh, in terms of, they don't 
muck around with the format particularly it is an adventure set in that particular time whereas then we have the Romans which is pretty much a full-on farce and then this mm. one which is which is amped up to Shakespearean levels with a bit of boys own adventure thrown in as well and I think it's great it's interesting what you were saying about because I mean I guess this is stuff in terms in terms of what what they feel the need to explain I guess for the average eight-year-old viewer of 1965, they were immersed in a lot of the, I don't know, Sir lot was um, yeah. sometime before, but they, they were immersed in a lot of these kind of ITC adventure mm. serials that were set around this period, and it was clearly, I guess, the Crusades and stuff featured a lot more in the history curriculum, such as it was yes. back in the day. It would have been, It was more part of the... Part of our island story, <laughs> God it, help us. At that time, then maybe you know, maybe it's faded from you know, from the curriculum, and it, now it's. It was certainly you know when I learnt history, mm. the Crusades were part of that syllabus. You know, you, mm. you, you when I did O level history, you could have answered a question about the Crusades. Mm. Uh, so I guess there was there's a, there's an element of that, but it certainly as as you say, it, it takes no prisoners. It assumes there's going to be a certain amount of knowledge on the part of its viewers and anything they don't get they can they can catch up on and the writing is strong enough to mm. to impart it without having to whack them over the head you know bludgeon it into them you know just you know without having to have the doctor go off and a as you know my boy um, mm. <laughs> <laughs> yes yes well hartnell doesn't have to say that the Muslims are, are terribly civilised because Bernard mm. Kay is demonstrating that they're very civilised with his performance mm. as, as Saladin. Yeah. I mean, you know, poss- possibly you know, more of a northern accent than you'd expect um, Saladin to have, but, you know, <laughs> it, 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 essentially it works fine. I mean, I, uh, so you've got this whole blacking up problem mm. these days, and I, th- I, think the, I think the thing with Bernard Kay's performance is... That he's not in any way parodying uh, an Arab performance. In fact, he he, no. he he barely makes any concession towards that. He essentially plays it, uh, you know, as as he would play any any part. But mm. but he has been given that kind of makeup to kind of signify, oh look, mm. here is, uh, uh, he, he, here's an Arab character. Mm. Though I think they dialed it down in between in between the first couple of episodes. Yeah, possibly. I yeah, believe that's paler in the later one but yes I, I made a note to that you know and across the cast really I mean I think that's why it, nobody you know I don't think nobody puts on a um, nobody puts on a silly accent or, or well, not, there's, not a there's, silly, there's, no, there's apart, one character apart from Titi Lemko yes <laughs> yes yeah, so so Ibrahim yeah yeah um, who I was um, yes I was, but we'll come on to him maybe later yeah indeed but uh, yeah so I think that's and obviously we're we're sort of talking about this, and you know, we know that Wang Shang habitually gets it in the gets it yeah. in the neck for the for the yellow face. Um, but then you could certainly argue that um, Chang and um, John Bennett, isn't it? Mm. And that that um, that part is played with dignity, and you know, is a is a it, he is a nuanced character in mm. in many ways. But maybe it's the lack of you know the lack of other nuanced Chinese characters. Around yeah. him, yeah, um, that is why it's rather more vulnerable to it. Whereas here, it feels like okay, yes, it's a convention of the time that you didn't have that many, you know, working Arab, you know, working actors of the right ethnicity, 
and that was just what you did. But they get, but there aren't any. Um, yeah, fortunately, nobody feels the need to ham it up again with the <laughs> with the possibly honourable exception of Tutti Lemko. Yeah. Um, when he turns yeah, it's up. not. It's not. It's not culturally disrespectful because of mm. the quality of the acting, isn't it? No, Sal- exactly. Saladin's a very mm. noble and wise mm. character. Um, both camps have got a sort of villain. There's there's the Earl of Leicester, isn't yeah. there, in mm, Richard yes. Lionheart's court, and the chap who stalks Barbara mm. continuously with the scar. I can't remember yeah. his name. Elakia. Ah, mm. thank you. So um, I, I I I think it's very clever and, and take mm. note, modern script writers. You know, they've got those companions and they use them really well to weave the story. So mm. you've, they get split up, and then and then you've got the the story of Ian trying to get Barbara back but at the same time you get to see within the court of Saladin and how they all interact mm. and then there's this sympathetic Saracen characters who help mm. Barbara and her sister so um, I think it's treat- it's all treated very sympathetically mm. and it's mm. it's a cracking story mm. yes yeah, so it doesn't over- it doesn't over egg it but it's a it's a tragedy on it's interesting that the characters are trying to the leaders in on both sides are, are trying to Really trying to get out of this, yes, this situation that they have found themselves in. So it's a remarkably, and a, I honestly, I don't, I don't know quite how how these things were taught in the, you know, would have been taught in the mid sixties, but um, and you know, Richard, you're not as that vintage to, to quite know. You know, you'd have been a good, no. you know, you were a good few years after that. <laughs> Indeed, um, but it seems it seems remarkably progressive. And enlightened, you know, in yeah. some ways, even from you know, even from today's standards, it's the kind of thing that you could, yeah, it's the kind of thing that you could see being written into you know modern Doctor Who, hmm. or any, I guess, modern drama that it, it does handle handle everything remarkably even-handedly. Yes, it's almost the 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 exact opposites from from what you would expect of a of a mid sixty story. Particularly for children, you'd expect that they'd play up Richard as the as the as the hero, but at the same time, mm. you know, mercilessly trying to force the the Saracens back, and that the the mm. Saracens would be the the obvious villains of the piece and have nothing mm. good about them, and, and and he turns that completely on the head. Mm. You know, and if anything, you know, the, uh, Saladin is is the best character. Richard mm. is kind of a bit petty at times but you know but still has a certain ability about him as well mm. so yeah yeah you know very interesting choices from from david whittaker mm. yeah and i can certainly remember when you know in my in my youth reading stuff that was absolutely un a lot of stuff was absolutely unalloyed in its praise for richard lionheart yeah yeah, yeah. as being you know as you know as being this heroic character mm. and certainly you know there's been more you know that people have been more yeah, the more you look into it, the more people are inclined to um, take a um, take a long hard look. Um, Indeed, yeah. I guess that's the only the only possible misstep that he makes from a from a modern sort of from a point of view of you know stuff you know we as what we now know kind of thing. That's you know the idea that Richard is pining for England. Is, um, <laughs> It's, it's a little yeah. bit of a misstep because he because yeah. he'd never set pining for the Loire barely, barely exactly barely <laughs> set foot here and um, yeah. just wanted to really rinse us you know he was you know, yeah. not all that much better than not all that much better than his brother in terms of just seeing yeah seeing England as a bit of a cash cow for financing his um mm. his foibles 
But yes, and it is a remarkable... Well, and Julian Glover, it's a remarkable performance. Hmm. You can see why that lad went on to do very well for himself, can't you? Yes. Um, I think it's not quite his first screen... You know, it's, he, he'd done a few things, bit parts in films and so on beforehand, but it's... Yeah, it's it's good. Yeah, it's this is this is Dougie Canfield, isn't it, as well, directing? Yes. Yes. Mm. It's almost the dream team, isn't mm. it? Canfield and Whittaker. Yeah. 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 Which makes it all the sadder that we're missing two episodes. Because mm. um, mm. I would dearly love to see the um the opening scenes between um between Richard and Joanna in which are in episode two which we're missing. Yeah. I think there's some. I'd, I'd love to see how that was played mm. because it sounds like they are um, being somewhat flirtatious and perhaps, perhaps playing into some of the scurrilous rumours that I understand. Right. Pertain to that. You know, pertain to those two. Mm. Um, historically speaking, well, I think yeah. So far as I know, it was all just, it was all just you know stuff that. <laughs> Put it around to bad mouth Richard, and, you know, to mm. bad mouth them. But, um, but I think it still might have informed how they, how they acted things. Um, mm. And yeah, so it would be very interesting. And and Jean Marsh is also brilliant, of course. Yeah, mm. yeah, yes, yeah. She she does a fantastic turn. Mm. They, I mean, they are they they're. A, 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 I mean, you know, historically, I won't I won't bang on about this, but historically, they're a very bizarre family. I mean the between Richard John and the elder brother whose name I've forgotten, you know, they're forever plotting to try and overthrow their father or, mm. you know, it'd be one taking on the other or whatever. It'd be, it, it, between about the... Was it Jeffrey? It, was he the one that didn't get... Yeah, but, but, but find them, fundamentally, between the sort of, you know, uh, 1170s mm. and the and and when Richard died, you know, there, there was any number of kind of nasty stuff going on between them and the father mm. and you know they 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 get Henry the second to the point where he's about to abdicate but then it doesn't happen and mm. so so yeah i mean uh, you could almost believe anything mm. uh, but but nonetheless in in the context of this story i think Jean Marsh and and, and um Julian Glover do a fantastic turn of uh, you know brother and sister that are sometimes together and sometimes at odds mm, and and you yeah. and you get that kind of subtlety where by by episode 4 Richard's kind of given up on the whole marriage idea you know he, mm. he thought it was a brilliant plan but it's not going to work so okay what's what you know what's the next mm. so which I quite like about it, it mm, yes shows flexibility mm. and there's a scene at the end of episode 3 where the where Joanna finds out what yes Richard has planned that is you know just Barnstorming. It's, absolutely, um, it's got yeah, brilliant, yeah. brilliant dialogue from Whitaker and and they're both absolutely on fire. It's mm. um, marvelously done. So. Mm. Yeah, you can almost see the sparks flying, can't you, between the mm. the pair of them? Yeah. Mm. No, that is really good. Yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah like it, it, it is. It's, you, you get a real heavy heart realizing that there's two episodes missing. Mm. That I mean, like, as Richard suggested earlier, try and find. Loose cannon where you where you can you can track mm. them down, but it is with heavy heart. Yes, yeah, I watched it um, with the loose cannon reconstruction as homework for this, which is the first time I've I've watched it. It's funny, I've I'd, um, I've listened to the soundtrack yeah. um, a couple a couple of times in the past. It's always slightly it's a, it's a slight jolt to realize. Hang on, especially episode four, I had I had conjured 
castles in the air in terms of quite how they staged it and so on. Yeah. I, had imagined, I had imagined there were horses and there were, you know, there were horses and there was a quite big courtyard set and people climbing in mm. and out of windows and so on. And but you know, and you, you then you see the screen caps and you think, well, no, okay, it wasn't like that. Mm. So far as you can judge from what shots we have to go from, but mm. but it shouldn't really detract. And I'm sure Dougie Canfield executed everything with his characteristic panache mm. and working miracles in a small space. Mm. It's a shame in episode two we're missing the um, the merchant Ferigo. The um, yeah, the mm. one who plays plays playing two sides off against the yes middle and just always looking for the for the angle and that's rather a nice also quite a nuanced take on take on the war. Mm. So it's a very yeah. pleasingly cynical in that regard. <laughs> yeah, it's so, so. I mean, I find it a fascinating story. You know, it's it's a it's a story. It's called the Crusade. That isn't really about the Crusades. It's it, it it's mm. a story that has a fantastic byplay between Richard and Saladin, and they never meet. It's got a, mm. it's got a you know Gene Marsh and Julian Glover, as we said, have a f- fantastic parts, but they're not really at the heart of the story. The Doctor is kind of a bit part player in it. I mean, he he's 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 comic relief for a couple of episodes. You know, in, I mean, in in the cod Shakespeare that that this is, and mm. and and actually rather good Shakespeare at times. Um, he you know he he plays the part of the comic relief, and and Vicky, of course, is you know another Shakespearean trope is the you know is is the cross dresser. You know, oh yes, you, yes. You know, starts mm. out being the boy and then you know and then mm. dresses as the girl. Yeah, and you know, really, what the story is about, I suppose, if, if anything, is is about Barbara and her you know struggles and, and, and sort of seeing the darker side of of, of Alakir and, and whatever and, and, and the the harem, but reuniting that family that's that that's been torn apart at um, mm. at one part and then bringing you know reuniting them the remaining members of it and then mm. the escape really you know, I mean if anything it as well it's about you know, Barbara gets abducted 30 seconds into the story and then you know 30 seconds from the end of the story they run into the TARDIS and get away and in 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 between all of that it's really all only been about trying to <laughs> preserve their lives in a very dangerous scenario mm. yes i suppose in terms of the, the 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 driving plot of it as you say that's um that's a good summary of it yeah it's just uh... Talk about Douglas Camfield and the whole production values. He, I was I was moaning last week about the story being set supposed to be in Madagascar and Peru, and, and with something as good as the Crusade, you you just don't care that it's studio bound. Mm. It's so well done, you know the 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 forest scenes and the market, and then all of the different places that Barbara hid and where she's recaptured and so on. Mm. It's so well done. You just you just don't mind. You you're totally drawn into the story because of the quality of the acting. Mm. And it really is superb. It's a great bit of television. It you, you almost forget you're watching a science fiction mm. show and you're watching an excellent costume drama. It's that good. Mm. Yeah, I mean you you get Jackie Hill as well in this. I mean, it, you know, is is Barbara going to use the knife? I mean, I, I think to some extent mm. epi- epi- the extant episode 3 is is the high point of it. We, we you mm. know, it may well be that if we had episode 2 that that might eclipse it, but certainly episode three that we do have i mean it, it, there's, there's some there's some fantastic taut drama in that with with harun and his family and with barbara mm. and she's got choices to make and and you've got uh as, as you said earlier you've got richard and joanna's confrontation right at the end you've got a nice bit of of saladin and, Sa- and safadin as well so everything 
uh, and, and comic business from Hartnell and O'Brien. You've got everything in that one episode, and and uh, um, you know, it's, it's you know beautifully put together. I think. Mm. Yes, episode four slightly, so far as one can judge. I know okay, it reaches the it reaches the climax in terms of the um, in terms of the action resolving the plot, um, mm. but it um, maybe goes very slightly off the maybe we've just gone slightly off the boil in that the um, mm. the whole the, the the Ian in the desert plot does it is a bit of a departure into comic book villainy, yeah, um, and this is the one place where we get our um, yeah our, um, our little you know. Our silly accent brigade. Um, although it, you know, then again, it's Tizzy Lemko, and um, I don't know. I've not seen. I don't think I've ever seen Fiddler on the Roof, but um, but he was, yeah. And I was just reading about him earlier, and he was Norwegian. So, but possibly because there's a whole um, there's a whole group of Norwegian Assyrians. Um, I believe mm. there. I can't look into the right details, but I think he'd have been of the right ethnicity, and of course he pops up in all sorts of places. Mm. Um, Raiders of the Lost Ark, Fill on the Roof, um, mm. and so on. But um, and yeah, even and even he is, <laughs> yeah, he's he's not unlike um, unlike the Emir Alakir. Like he's not an out and out villain because for all he does to all the torture he inflicts on Ian in the first half, mm. he then becomes the comic relief, comic relief Ian's best Ian's new busy mate. Yeah, yeah. The, um, <laughs> in t- just in time for the rescue. You know, so mm. Quite happy to uh, heap phrases on Ian and help him out, which is quite, you know, it's a nice little turnaround, I think. So I think that counts for a lot. So I've got a, I've got a bit to talk about parallels between the two stories. Are, are there any other things that you two want to talk about um, the Crusade before we finish talking about uh, that broadly? One thing I was maybe going to say about yeah um i th- i found it odd in episode 1 that barbara opens up to saladin about the tra- about their travels as it were she yes curious she tries to it's it's a curious little choice although i guess it it does you know it's interesting that it sets up and but then it this doesn't go quite as postmodern as you expect because i like the idea that it's setting up barbara has the idea that she can she can try to be Scheherazade. Yeah, you know, indeed. It, it sort of sets up the idea that the you know that Barbara's a you know Saladin assumes from all the stuff Barbara's saying that she's you know, that she's with a troop of travelling players, mm. and then Barbara gets the idea of you know you know, you know there is a reference to Scheherazade, um, who obviously you know Saladin knows that story mm. already, and then and then the idea that Barbara has you know Barbara's going to retell. Bits of Shakespeare and things like that that she knows is quite pleasingly, you know. I guess, it, I guess these days you call it postmodern. It's almost mm. a shame she doesn't start retelling the stories of their um, of her own travels on the TARDIS. But unfortunately, we don't actually get to the point where that is ever. She's never called to mm. to actually have to play that role because she um she falls into um the hands of of, of you know into the middle of you know, the Kier's machinations. Before that ever really uh, comes off. Yeah. Simon, any any thoughts about that before we move on to the parallels? No, 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 no closing thoughts from me. Thanks, uh, Richard. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, you know, we'll we'll we'll, we'll you'll, you'll probably find some of these kind of um, 
uh, facile. But so we, I've already talked about hide and seek in 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 uh, Middle Eastern towns in the Middle Ages. We get we get that. Um, so I think there's there's the the psychological threat of El Akia and and the psychological threat that the Eternals pose is kind of worse than the physical side of things. I mean, and and indeed El Akia. You know he's 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 um, all consumed with with Barbara having tricked him into thinking that he's got um, Richard and Joanna when he's just got two bit part players, and mm-hmm. uh, you know it's all about his honour thereafter. But he he says at one point, um, you know, you, all you have to look forward to is death, and death is a long way away. And and I mean he he plays that with a with a really nice piece of menace, I think, and you mm-hmm. get the sense that. You know, and everybody, everybody fears Elakia in 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 the town. You get from Harun, you 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 get all that as well. So so in a sense, you know, he's more of a of of a of a threat almost off screen, or at least you know without actually um, doing anything. You 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 get that sense of, of of menace, and in the same way, I suppose the the um, the eternal characters in in. Um, can you hear me? It's it's all about the nightmares and about what they can subject the people to. That's the, the biggest threat. Mm. Yes. Uh, something else just has just occurred to me. Of course, yeah. which slightly slightly connects to Elakir and the, at least to, and his reign of terror in the town. It's a nice directorial. Well, I don't know. I, I'd be interested to know if it was scripted or or um, or whether it was Douglas Canfield being. Innovative, but I, I did mm. like in, in keeping with this. If there is a kind of war is hell theme to this, I did think they it added another dimension. The fact that okay, you only had the one thing in the, you know the one scene or set in Haroon's house, but you can hear you hear noises off. Yeah, of, the, of the, the search going on and yeah. people being yeah. terrorized outside as the, the entire town is ter- turned upside down by. You know, as they're, as they're looking for Barbara, yeah, it, it adds another dimension that wouldn't mm. necessarily be there, possibly in the hands of a lesser mm. writer or director who would have just played it straight. Completely sells it as well for me. I mean, mm. I, I, you know, I don't need to see that happening. I, you, you, mm. you you see them come into the to the sort of um, rear of the house and knock stuff over, and generally being. You know, not unlike that the the scene in uh, Enemy of the World episode three where they try desperately to smash the pots. Um, but it, you know, <laughs> they, 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 but yes, I mean they're, they're being kind of goon like, and you can sort of extrapolate from that what's going on in the rest of the town, mm. uh, and, yeah. and the sound sells it really well. Yeah, mm. we've we've also got siblings in each story, so we get Yaz and Sonia in um, Can You Hear Me? You get Richard and Joanna in uh, in Crusade, and and. You know the the relationship between them, both sets is somewhat complex. You know, you, you, one minute they're sort of up together, and one minute they're at each other's throats. So, I, I mean, I'm not I'm not saying that that necessarily takes us anywhere, but it's it's kind of interesting that that's there's a theme there, and it doesn't necessarily drive the whole plot, but it's it's an it's it's an important subplot in both stories. Hmm. And I think also, so and this is the last one that I've got, and and you know no stronger than any of the others. But but in in both stories, I think what what appears to be the main plot isn't necessarily the main plot. So I've already said um, I don't think that the crusade is necessarily about the crusade, and similarly, I don't think that Can You Hear Me is about uh, you know the the 
eternal characters. It's it's about much more than that, and and it's about what's happening to the humans. I think. Hmm. There's another overlap um, in we we see a side in the in last week's episode we see a side of Aleppo we don't hear much about nowadays which is the the healthcare mm-hmm. side and the caring side of the people there and having an, an early attempt at a, a sort of mental health hospital yeah and then in the crusade we see a kinder side to the Saracens rather than the the boys own version mm-hmm. That people were probably more used to in the fifties and sixties and previously as well, where we see Saladin being a being a, a, a true monarch and a you know mm. a wise man, and also the kind people who help Barbara as well. Yeah. Mm. So we we see both sides there, and we see a kinder side to something that perhaps changes our perception. Mm. And I guess actually, just thinking about it, there's um, with regard to Sal- the you know, Saladin has always been particularly prone to being um, to being sort of um uh, I, I don't know whether you call it noble savage treatment or whatever but, but to being to being dignified as being the you know like the good the good muslim as it were in western literature at least since um you know walter scott wrote a book um that's sort of set around the same time as i even know called mm-hmm. the talisman which is is based on i um i read it years ago but i think that's that's that has the Conception of you know to do with um, salad and sending sending medicine for Richard when Richard was ill um, uh-huh. in you know in in the field um, during the you know during the Crusades and the, the idea of there being this mutual respect. Um, but I think you know where the Crusade probably lifts it is that you know is that most of the other characters you know are multifaceted on both on both sides and we have the you know we have these others that are. You know, we have you know we have bad Europeans and a lot of good people on the you know good Saracens. So you know it's, it's not just confined to uh, Saladin himself. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and I mean, of course, tonally, dramatically different stories. It, it, it would mm. have been fascinating, not really very realistic, but but if if Camfield had survived. And you know, still been directing the in in his nineties. It would be interesting <laughs> to to see what he would have done made of the new series, mm. because uh, you know clearly was one of the standout directors of the original series. Uh, you know, perhaps I mean we certainly we saw Graham Harper doing rather a, a tour de force in in some of the episodes early on in the in the new mm. series. Yes, yeah, he certainly made the transition well. Mm. So have we wrung every last drop out of that um, pairing, do you think, or uh, anything else anyone wants to say? No, it's it, it, I'm a bit guilty. I'm a huge Troughton fan, and I'm a bit guilty of neglecting the Hartnell years, but uh, watching the Crusade again and catching up with the Reconstructionists, that's really whetted my appetite for some more, mm. I think. Mm. So I'll be dipping dipping back into more Hartnell, I think, when the, as and when the chance mm. arises. Yes, Giles, you said you were a uh, a born again Hartnell fan when we talked about where we came from many many moons ago. I, certainly, oh, yes. as far as, as far as I'm concerned, uh, uh, when we haven't really talked about it, it's it is a fantastic performance from William Hartnell. It, it, it uh, yeah, it does does whet the appetite for seeing some more. Mm. Uh, and it's the first time in on, on this podcast that we've 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 chosen a Hartnell episode. So I think we'll have to. Uh, Dig out some others um, as we go along because mm. you know that was that was a, a really good watch. 
Mm. Yes. I do have to say, I, th- I think Hartnell generally, though, rewards pacing yourself. <laughs> and remember, well, you know, I think, I think, I think watching an episode at a time when circumstances allow and have it, mm. having intervals to digest and and coming back, I, I just think that the way the show was paced in those early days, mm. you know, it, it works it works better, and I found that was the key to you know, that plus the, the massively enhanced picture quality of um, the restored DVDs. Um, mm. Were really the two things that that suddenly made me think, wow, this is yeah, this is really good stuff. Hmm. Okay, well, next week, or or, or, or uh, reality in a few days' time, we've got uh, Frankenstein, or something. Ooh, we've certainly got Ma- Mary Shelley. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they gave very little away, didn't they, at the end of the last episode about what was coming next, mm. other than the, the title and a f- few quick glimpses. Mm. Yeah. So it'd be funny, funny if it's a pure, funny if it's a classic historical story, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, look. Thanks for, for again, once again, for, um, for 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 spending uh, an hour and a half or so um, talking about those uh, those those two very different stories. And Simon, thanks for your musing over historicals. That's that was uh, a, a, a fun and interesting segment. So so yeah, thanks to both of you for. Uh, sharing some time with us yeah thank you always a pleasure yep yeah yep thank you both and uh, and you can expect another short one from us uh next week um looking at uh um at, at that upcoming episode so bye-bye for now yep bye-bye everybody bye. Yeah, I think we. I, th- I think that works. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I mean, or at least it, it works as well as it's ever going to. <laughs> <laughs> so, Simon, um, if your theory is correct, then does that mean that um, Mrs. Cathcart's Miss Cathcart's the master? Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. And she'd have gotten away with it too if it hadn't been for those pesky kids. <laughs> <laughs>